Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. How good is Jesus? I just want to start, before, before I even get into my preach today, I just want to say He is good. Is there anyone else that can testify of that this morning? Let me tell you, there's a lot of other ideas about Jesus in the world. There's a lot of negative thoughts about who He is. There's a lot of negative thoughts about Christianity. But I know that no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what the opinions are, no matter what the hearsay is and the talk is, Jesus is on the throne. He is what is true. And the Lord is good all the time. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. He is good all the time. The time. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Hamish. My wife, Meg, and I, we run the youth group here. And when I was a kid, I was, um, I was a funny kid. I was a bit of a dweeb, to be honest. Let's be real. Um, and I remember, <laughs> I love video games. I, I can't lie. I love video games. I remember going over my grandma's house on Sunday afternoon, and she had the little Game Boy Advance SP, you know, the little flip one that you open up. And I used to pop that open. I used to play Shrek 2. I used to play Lilo and Stitch. Um, I used to play Digimon. I didn't have Pokemon. I'm sorry, but I used to play Digimon. And I used to love just hanging out at Grandma's house, partly because of the, the Game Boy, also partly because of the cooking. The cooking was phenomenal. Uh, pea and ham soup, it's amazing. Uh, and she used to do another soup where she just add like every single vegetable ever created um, in the soup. And it was fantastic. But a memory, a very vivid memory I have from lunches at Grandma Jem's house uh, was that she would use... A rectangular magnifying glass. And as a kid with 2020 vision, and let me just brag for a second, I still have 2020 vision to this day. I got it tested the other month and it's still perfect. I know, wait till, yeah, wait till I'm a bit older, yeah. But my grandma, she used to use this really old uh, rectangular magnifying glass to read, you know, the fine print on her Bible or to read through the TV guide, you know, whatever it may be. And as a kid, I remember being really confused. Grandma, why do you need this big, clunky magnifying glass to read just your Bible? Why do you need it? I didn't understand why she needed a magnifying glass. You know, when your eyes lack clarity, you need a magnifying glass. Sounds obvious, but here, between the lines, hear what I'm saying. When your eyes lack clarity, when you don't have vision, when things seem blurry and out of focus, you need a magnifying glass. You look through a magnifying glass and you can finally see the details that were there all along, but your eyes failed to see it. This month, we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit magnifies Jesus to us. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is like a magnifying glass. He reveals to us what was once blurry, what was once confusing, what was once without form. He shows us who Jesus really is. And He magnifies and points us to Jesus. Let's pray. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we want to see you for who you really are. Lord, we don't want to forget your goodness in our lives. We don't want to forget your work in our lives. And so I pray this morning by your Spirit that your Spirit reminds us who you are, Jesus. That your Spirit magnifies you to us, Jesus. And that we, uh, what was once unclear, what was once blurry, pulls into focus. And we see you and understand you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen.
In 1 John 4, it says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. That means that every single person here today who has ever declared that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, that you have had the work of the Holy Spirit moving through you. You might come from a denominational background that doesn't put much emphasis on the Holy Spirit. You might come from a background that never even taught about the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, if you've received Jesus, if you've declared Him as your Lord and Savior this morning, then the Holy Spirit has already started His work in you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So that's what I mean when I say the Spirit magnifies Jesus. Obviously, we use the analogy of a magnifying glass. But what I really mean is that the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus in the way of proclaiming His Lordship in your life. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. And someone who says they have the Holy Spirit can't curse His name and put down His name and claim to have the Spirit. Because it's only by the Spirit that Jesus is magnified. You know what? The whole world needs to know that Jesus is Lord. And we won't stop preaching that until He returns. Everyone needs to know that Jesus is their Lord and Saviour. But there's so much confusion. There's so much fogginess. There's so much haze in front of people's eyes. There's too many scales that are yet to fall because people are confused about who He is. There's so many rumours about who He is, so many lies about who He is. He was just some guy. He's just some old guy that died 2,000 years ago. He has no relevance for our life today. That's what you hear. But it's not true. And we can preach to them as much as we want. We can have debates with them and arguments with them as much as we want. We can talk to the atheists. We can talk to the agnostics. And we can be like, no, 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 you're wrong. But until the Spirit touches their lives, their eyes aren't going to be open to the truth. You can debate them. You can smack them with the word. But until the Holy Spirit hits them in their heart, they aren't going to receive Jesus because it's the Spirit that magnifies Jesus. I can preach as much as I want, but unless the Spirit touches your life, you aren't going to be changed. The gospel, it seems so foolish. It seems like absolute gobbledygook. Man, even the Pharisees, when Jesus was preaching to them, they didn't understand a word he was saying. He had to pull his disciples aside later and explain to them the meaning of his parables. Why? Because they didn't have the Spirit. They didn't know. But until the Spirit hits you, then you can have clarity. Then the person of Jesus can become magnified in your life. Let's take a look at the microscope. The microscope, it magnifies. And the way we use a microscope, I'm not a scientist, okay? I don't know anything. Um, But from my simple brain, I know that we use a microscope to look at microscopic things. We look at small things and we blow it up, we magnify it so that we can see the details. So it looks bigger in our eyes. Now, the Holy Spirit does not magnify Jesus in the same way that a microscope magnifies. The Holy Spirit doesn't take this small thing and make it bigger. Jesus is no small thing. He doesn't have to be added to. He doesn't have to be made bigger. He already is as big as they come. He is the most important thing that ever was, that ever is, and ever will be. 
And so the Holy Spirit doesn't magnify Jesus in the way that a microscope blows something small up to big. The Holy Spirit works more like a telescope. Now with my simple brain, I'm not a scholar, I understand that we'll use a telescope to look at the moon, to look at stars, to look at planets, things that seem small to our naked eye, but with a telescope magnifying it, we see it for what it really is. We see it for the scale and the importance and the, the size that it really is. And so in the same way that a telescope can magnify the moon to us, the Holy Spirit shows us how big Jesus really is. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes you can forget how big the moon really is. It's, it's pretty big. It's ginormous. But in the sky as a kid, when you're in the car and you can see the moon following you on the horizon, you think it's, this, you think it's like a couple inches wide, right? But through a telescope, you realize how big it really is. And as Christians, we can forget the scale, the weight and the importance of Jesus. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to remind us, to magnify to us His importance, to magnify His, uh, his, his value and His weight and, and all that He has done in your life. Never forget the weight of Jesus. Never forget the importance of Jesus. So this morning... I got three points for you. Three points. Three lenses of magnification. Three lenses in which the Spirit magnifies Jesus to us. Are you ready to receive this morning? You got your notebooks ready? Are your ears open? Are your hearts open? Lens number one. The Spirit magnifies Jesus through the lens of weakness. The lens of weakness Sounds a bit counterintuitive. You think I'd be preaching about positive topics. And yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But the Spirit does reveal Jesus to us through weakness. We don't like being weak. We like being strong. There's an ad on TV that annoys me every time I see it. It's that snooze ad for mattresses. And the narrator says, we spend every waking hour trying to better ourselves. So why not spend every sleeping hour trying to better yourselves? Snooze. And I get frustrated because the ad shows people like blending up smoothies and exercising, and I need to work on that, let's be real. But a lot of people want to make themselves better. A lot of people want to better themselves. We hate weakness. We want to eradicate weakness. We strive. People, humanity strives to better themselves, to, to be stronger, to be better. We, we, we read self-help books. We listen to podcasts. We, we, we go to conferences and seminars, and we want to make ourselves better. But still, all of that work is futile because we are weak. 2 Corinthians 12 says this. This is Paul speaking. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all that you need. Ooh, imagine that. God gives you a weakness. God gives you a sin that you're struggling to get rid of. God gives you like, you know, something that is really tearing you apart and really becoming a thorn in, in your side. And you say to the Lord, take, take this weakness away from you. And he says, my grace is all that you need. There's a lesson there. And then he says after that, my power works best in weakness. That shows me that weakness isn't just there to make your life suck. 
It isn't just there to, to hurt you, but it's there to show something about God. It's there to show to you and to the people around you something of His power. And he goes on saying, So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasures in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Last week at youth, we have a lot of fun at youth, let me tell you. It was crew battles night. Crew battles is when we get into four crews, four teams. Uh, we had a black crew, pink crew, orange crew, blue crew. They all had names and chants and they were all, all the kids were dressed up. It was really fun. And we play a lot of just crazy, silly youth group games, you know, just mucking around, some good camaraderie. And we came up with this game called four-way tug-of-war. And you know normal tug-of-war where you got the rope and you got two teams. Well, we got the rope, but we crossed it over so we could have four teams. Now, the issue with that is that there is more strain on the apparatus. There is more strain on the material used. And the rope that Jackson and I sourced uh, was already frayed a little bit before we started to use it. And we thought, oh, you know what we can do? We can just reinforce the frayed areas with more of the same rope. And so we got more of the same rope in smaller lengths and we just tied it to those um, weaker areas. And then we got all the crews together and we played a few rounds with just singles. So just like four people playing it, representing their crew. And at the end, Pastor Meg was like, oh, let's mix it up. Let's get the whole team, all four teams on each length of the rope. And they're all going to pull at the same time. What a great idea. <laughs> but let me tell you, when it happened, the rope from the center split four ways. And all four teams of kids fell backwards on their behinds and it didn't work <laughs> it didn't work um, but let me tell you the weakness of the rope actually revealed something to me that I should have thought of in advance <laughs> the weakness of the rope showed it the, showed the need for something stronger see I looked at that weak rope I looked at that frayed rope and I thought in my brilliant scholarly mind, I need more rope, more of the same rope, to bolster the strength of that rope. Let me tell you, more of yourself doesn't fix the weakness in your heart. You could bolster yourself with yourself, but you still got yourself, so you're, you're left with yourself, and that's not going to work. <laughs> Man, there was that, there was that um, was it... What were those comics, John, the, with the monkeys and the, the African... Was it Paul White? Yeah, that, those Jungle Doctor comics. There was that one about the monkey trying to pull himself out of the sludge. He was stuck in the quicksand and he was trying to pull himself out. These are parables. These are parables. He's trying to pull himself out. But in his own strength, he can't save himself. And he's adding more of his own strength to himself, but he's just adding himself to the problem. And the problem started with himself. And you can't just add more of the same rope that was already flawed to begin with to fix the problem. You need a stronger rope. You need something stronger. So it doesn't matter, you know, how many workouts you do a day, how many uh, self-help podcasts you read to better yourself. If you don't have something stronger, you will always be weak. You will always be flawed. But the Spirit, He uses your weakness. I want you to hear that this morning. The Spirit uses your weakness to highlight Jesus' strength to you. Yeah. Yeah. Our lack makes His abundance all the more evident. Yeah. 
Our powerlessness shows off his powerfulness. Our little shows off his lot. Can I get an amen? John 16 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Our weakness, our sin. The Holy Spirit, He convicts us of that. He makes us guilty of it. Not to leave us in shame, but to point us to Jesus. Don't let your sin, don't let your weakness keep you away from the one that can deal with it. I see so many Christians, particularly we work with teenagers and, you know, they give their life to Jesus one week and then they make a mistake in their weakness the next week and then they're back at the altar. And that's good. I'm glad that they run to Jesus. But some of us, when we are faced with our weakness, we we run away from Him. But the Spirit, He wants to use your sin. He wants to use your weakness to magnify Jesus in your life, to point you to Him. Do any of you play video games? Any gamers out here? Some young lads? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Have you ever played a video game without the heads-up display? The heads-up display, it shows you... Yeah, you you kids up the back. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The heads-up display, it shows you your map. It shows you uh, your inventory, how much ammo you have left. It shows you your health points, how close you are to dying, right? If you play the game without the heads-up display, you have no point of reference. You don't know where you are on the map. You don't know where your enemies are. You don't know how much health you have. So you could go running into a battle, like really close to dying. It's a really bad idea. Same with life. You don't want to run through life without a heads-up display, You don't want to run through life not knowing where you're at. And the Holy Spirit shows you where you are really at. And it ain't pretty, (laughs) but you need to know. You need a reality check to remind you that you need God's grace. Without knowing that you're a sinner, how can you know you need a Savior? You can easily forget your need for Jesus when you believe the lie that you can help yourself. Because you can't. You need Jesus. Romans 5.20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. The Spirit, He highlights our weaknesses, but so that our eyes are open to God's grace and so that we are pointed to Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. The second lens this morning is the lens of suffering. The Spirit uses suffering as a lens to magnify Jesus in our lives. 1 Peter 4 says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked that you're going through testing that is like walking through fire. Be glad for the chance to suffer as Christ suffered. It will prepare you for even greater happiness when He makes His glorious return. Count it as a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. Hmm. This shows that God's glorious Spirit is with you. Like weakness, we hate suffering. It makes us uncomfortable. I think if we did a church survey right now, we asked people if you enjoyed suffering, I doubt there'd be a single person who would tick that box. We hate it. It's uncomfortable. We hate being grieved. We hate having our hearts heavy and hurt. It's, it's horrible. But the Spirit uses that point of suffering in your life, not to wound you, not to hurt you, 
but to make you run to Jesus. He uses your suffering to magnify Christ in your life. So easily we can forget how much Jesus suffered for us. I'm sure if you're a Christian today, you know in your head, you know as head knowledge, as a fact that He did suffer, that He was whipped, that He was beaten and He was slandered and mocked and He was crucified on a cross. You know that He suffered, but so easily in your heart, you can forget that. You can forget the reality of that. But like a telescopic lens, the Spirit makes something that was once insignificant, significant in your eyes. And He can remind you of Jesus' suffering through your own suffering. If you're suffering right now, if you're going through a trial, if life is hard right now, don't let that suffering just be something that you wallow in. Don't let that suffering make you whinge and whine and complain and, and be downcast and be sorrowful. Don't let that suffering keep you down, but let it point you to the one who suffered and was victorious. Don't let that suffering hold you back from Jesus. I see many Christians through this time, the last couple of years, they've suffered through things. Maybe they've gone through it. Maybe they've gone through COVID. Maybe they had to have a wedding with no family members around. Maybe their business failed. Maybe they were separated from someone who was suffering in their family. And it's horrible. It's horrible. But don't let that suffering pull you away from Jesus. Because that's not what the Spirit intends. The Spirit intends that your suffering points you to Him, points you to Jesus, points you to the One who suffered everything that you could imagine. He suffered all temptations. He suffered everything that we could possibly suffer and He defeated it at the cross. And He came out of the grave victorious. So when you suffer, count it a blessing because you are suffering as Christ suffered and it can remind you of Jesus in your life. It can, your suffering magnifies Christ in your life. Man, I think of the Ukrainians right now. I'm sure you've seen the footage of the Christians in Ukraine bunkered down in that metro station while they're getting invaded. And they're huddled up there in like an open circle and they're praying together and they're worshiping. They're singing a song of worship. I looked up that song and I. Google help me translate it. So it might be a little bit rough, but I hope you get the sentiment here. The words of the song are this. God, I pray for Ukraine. God, I pray for the people. You forgive them, you save them, and you show us your mercy. God, I know that you're here with us in your temple under heaven. You've given us joy and peace. Your son gave his life for the people and he wrote us in the book of life. Whatever you're suffering right now, know that you, the Ukrainians, they're suffering too. But in their suffering, the Spirit points them to their Saviour. In their suffering, they get together as a community, as a church, and they worship Jesus and Christ is glorified through their suffering. Don't let your suffering take you away from Jesus. Let it point you to Jesus. Let the Spirit magnify Jesus through your pain, through your hurt, through your suffering. Amen. The final lens this morning is the lens of praise. This is my favourite one. The lens of praise. Did you know today that the Spirit can magnify Jesus in your life through the lens of praise? 
Psalm 34 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. There's something that changes in the room when you praise Jesus. There's something that changes in your heart and the hearts of others when you lift up His name. He is exalted when you glorify Him. He is magnified when you sing His praises. And praise, it lifts your perspective. As the Spirit magnifies Jesus through your praise, He also lifts your perspective. Your eyes that were once fixated on the small disturbances and distractions and annoyances of life and now lifted to God's heavenly perspective. Praise, it makes the small things smaller and it brings the big things, the important things like Jesus back into view. You know, we live in a world that's so focused on itself. We live in a world that is so selfish. We hear this phrase, self-love. I got to take some time for myself. I got to love myself. And you know, there's a difference between looking after yourself and being selfish and having an ego trip. Man, the generation that I'm in are obsessed with themselves. But it's so refreshing to hear that praise has nothing to do with you. Praise is not about you. Yes, you bring your feelings to it and you bring who you are as a person to it, but it's not about glorifying yourself. It's not about glorifying the worship leader up on stage, although one of them was my wife and so she is very beautiful. But it's not about glorifying her or glorifying yourself. It's about glorifying Jesus. Praise is all about putting the focus back on Jesus. And when you do that, it lifts your perspective. Rather than looking down, looking down on your situation, rather than looking down on the current state of the world, we look up to Jesus and we focus our eyes on our Saviour. When you praise Jesus, it's not about what you can't do. It's about what He can do. I'll say it again. When you praise Jesus, it's not about what you can't do. It's about what He can do. When we praise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. Have a look at Psalm 34 from verse 4 to 7. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. Man, when you praise Jesus, the Spirit reminds you of your testimony. The Spirit reminds you of what He has done for you. So easily we can forget. So easily what He's done for us, our testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives, so easily it can become foggy. So easily it can lose clarity. But when you praise Jesus, the Spirit reminds you of that. The Spirit brings the magnifying glass over your testimony and He reminds you just what Jesus has done. I look at my life right now. I got the house. I got the wife. I got the puppy dog. I got the kid. I have it all. But still... Even though I have it all, I still complain. I still get tired. I still get miserable. And sometimes I think I love being miserable. And then I remember by praising Jesus, what He's done for me. I remember that everything I have now, I was once praying for in desperation. And He delivered me. 
and He provided for me. So easily you can forget that. Don't forget it. Maybe you might think that Jesus has done nothing for you. If you're alive, if you're breathing, if you got breath in your lungs, if you woke up this morning, if you got out of bed and if you're right here, then Jesus has done something for you. And so there's something to be thankful for. There's something to praise His name for. Come on, come on. Praise reminds us of the Lord's goodness. Psalm 34 verse 8, one of my favourite verses. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see. If you're a Christian this morning, you've tasted His goodness. Don't forget the flavour. Man, if you don't taste something for a while, you forget its flavour. You lose your appetite. Taste Him again. He's good. The world doesn't know He's good, but you know He's good. Act like He's good. Live like He's good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. I think about last Sunday. Oh, this, today the praise and worship was phenomenal today. But I think about last Sunday. And if you were there, how awesome was the praise and worship? Come on, man. Because sometimes we come to church and we come with our struggles. You know, we've had a rough week and it's hard. You know, I've got a kid now. Like we know a little bit about what it's like getting your kids to church in the morning. If you've got multiple kids, then, then may his patience be with you. But you rock up to church and you're stressed. You've just dropped the F-bomb to your wife in the car. Whatever's happened, <laughs> it's, all, it's all, all, over, all over the place and you're just a mess. And you rock up to church and how do you worship God then? How do you praise Him then? But last Sunday, there was something different in the atmosphere. All of us, we just came with an expectancy, with a faith to see God move. And we praised Him with our hearts. We praised Him with a mighty uh, Shabak shout of praise and we glorified Him. And when as a church, we glorified Him. When, we, when as a church, we lift Him up, He was magnified in that moment. He was magnified in that moment. So remind yourself that the Spirit magnifies Jesus through your praise. The Spirit magnifies Jesus through praise. So the Spirit magnifies Jesus through the lens of weakness. Your sin, your weakness, it's not meant to pull you away from Jesus, it's meant to magnify Him by pointing to His strength. The Spirit magnifies Jesus through the lens of suffering. As you suffer, be reminded that Jesus suffered for you and He was victorious. The Spirit magnifies Jesus through the lens of praise. As you praise Him, as you're thankful for what He's done in your life, Jesus is magnified. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for a couple different people this morning. First person I want to pray for is the person who needs a magnifying glass. The person who has been hearing about Jesus, but He's never been made real to you. Right now, He's just a person that lived 2,000 years ago and your vision of Him is unclear. Your vision of Him is blurry and you need the Holy Spirit to show you who Jesus is for the first time. I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about starting a relationship with Jesus. That phrase, starting a relationship with Jesus, it might be a foreign concept to you. But I want to tell you this morning that you can start a relationship with Him. Jesus, He lived and He died and He was risen again so that you could have relationship with the Father and so you could have life everlasting. And what you need to do this morning, if that's you and you want to accept Jesus, you need to declare that He is Lord and Savior in your life. If you want to make that decision, declare that He is the Lord of your life. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus this morning while no one else is looking around, 
I just want you to pop your hands up in one, two, three. If that's you, put your hand up right now. If you want to follow Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray for that one person. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this young man who's just given his life to you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that he wants to know you for real, not just as a foreign, blurry concept, but he wants to see you for who you are, as someone who lived and died for him, who gave his life for him and who loves him so very much. Lord, I thank you that as he keeps coming to church, as he keeps getting connected and reading your Bible and as his parents lead him, Lord, that he gets to know you for real. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The second person I want to pray for you as you keep your heads bowed. The second person I want to pray for is, you know, maybe you're sitting here today and you've just realised that you need Jesus to be magnified in your life. You've made a decision in the past to follow Him. You've made a decision to to be a Christian and to declare Him as Lord and Saviour. But through this whole season, through whatever's been going on in your life, the image of Jesus has become foggy. And you need Him to be made clear to you again. You need to be reminded of His greatness again. You need to be reminded of His love again. Maybe like how we see the moon and it looks small to our naked eye, you need the Spirit to show you how big Jesus really is in your life. If that's you and you want to respond to this message, if you need the Holy Spirit to show you how Jesus really is in your life, can you just raise your hands? If that's you this morning. You might have been Christian for a long time. That's fine. You can raise your hand. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for these people that have raised their hands, Lord. Through whatever situation, through whatever's going on in their life, you know what that situation is, Lord. And maybe they've lost their perspective of who you are, Lord. But I pray that your spirit right now just touches them and just reminds them of your goodness. Just reminds them of your greatness. Just reminds them of your place, your throne in their heart, your position in their life. Lord, speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Do your work, Lord. May Jesus be magnified. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.